0: who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the season finale episode of Social Workers Rise. So at the end of the last episode, I let you guys know that the first season is coming to an end and oh my goodness, it has been a doozy. I've had so much fun. I've talked to so many amazing social workers. If memory serves me right, there's probably at least 20 is there 20 social workers? I don't there's like 24 episodes of the season. Most of them I have been talking to other social workers who are killing it in the field, so many different areas of social work that we got into, that we explored, and I've had so, so much fun. My next project, so the podcast is not over, do not worry my friends, the podcast is not over, it's just the season is ending and we are taking a summer vacay because summer is my absolute favorite season, and we are going to be planning for the fall season, which I'm already putting my feelers out and getting some ideas for people who I really, really want to talk to. So if you have any ideas or topics or people that you want to hear, let me know. Slide up in the DMs. Let me know what you think. So my summer is going to be focused on... It's still going to be busy. <laughs> it's still going to be busy. I am dedicating all of my energies to the Essentials for Future Therapist. It is the five-course virtual series that is on sale right now until July 8. And essentially, it's five courses that lead you through the entire therapeutic process. It is exactly everything that I wish I would have had as a new social worker, as a new social work grad, so, I'm collaborating with my colleague, Leslie Rodriguez, because she is such a badass at therapy. She has so many amazing tips and insights into populations that I don't have. So, together, we're just the perfect match. We cover the entire spectrum. She has done so much amazing work with families, children, severely mentally ill personality disorders. All of the things, all of the, all of the people that are a little, like, more than what I'm used to, I call Leslie. She is my girl that I call. I'm like, Leslie, what in the world do I do? WTF Leslie, what do I do? Please help me. So that is why I teamed up with her, because she's amazing. So there's going to be all sorts of really cool tools and cheat sheets in the course that I wish I would have had. And I'm just trying to make this a little bit easier for everybody, for our new generation of social workers, because it's hard, you guys. It's hard out there. And it doesn't have to be so hard. we're, We're trained in supporting other people. So it's time that we support each other. And that's exactly what I'm doing with this course. And it's not just the modules. So the modules are really awesome because Leslie and I talk back and forth. We are teaching on... All of the topics that get you through the entire therapeutic process so everything from assessment care care planning uh, documentation therapy modalities uh, the clinical skills the cognitive behavioral therapy and termination so it's very very powerful especially if you are starting out and you just need a little bit more insight into the therapeutic process, things that are not covered in grad school. So we're not going to regurgitate your MSW to you, but we're really just going to focus in on those areas. In addition to that, and I think the most powerful part of this, and the part that I'm very excited for, is the Facebook Live group. So in addition to the modules, every week we're going to walk through a different module with everyone in the private group. And this will be the time where people can ask questions, get clarification, get more personalized answers to those burning questions that we've been wondering. And also to just learn more about the topic in general and learn from our peers too, which is going to be really powerful and I'm very excited for it. So that is going to take up the majority of of my next month and into early August, and then I will be enjoying my summer, spending time with the family, still working full time, and planning for the fall podcast, and um, and just going from there, just taking it you know day by day. So that's what I have on the agenda, and for this week for the season finale. We are talking about imposter syndrome, which ironically I didn't hear about until God, I don't know, this year. I, I don't know why it's taken me so long to hear about imposter syndrome, but I've just started hearing about it, and it's amazing and fascinating because we all suffer from it. Well, I don't know if we suffer, but <laughs> some do better than others. But imposter syndrome infects a, impacts hopefully it doesn't affect you, impacts us all on, on different levels. And I'm really excited to talk to Harleni because imposter syndrome is her jam. And this is what she is so amazing at overcoming. So I'm really excited for this episode, for us to just dive in, get to know Harleni a little bit better. And I will see you next season. Uh, for now, you know, listen to the podcast and then Find me on Instagram at Social Workers Rise. If you wanted to register for the Essentials for Future Therapists, then the link is in my Instagram account. You can find it there. And I will talk to you later. Let's hop into the episode. Hello, Harleni.
1: Hi, Katherine.
0: How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am really, really good. I'm be here talking to you today um, because you are just you are just killing it. And, <laughs> you know, I we have never actually met in person. We've only met online and talked on the phone and, and collaborated a little bit. And there's more to come. But I'm excited to to have you on my podcast. Finally, I feel like it's what we do. I know. I feel like I know you. It's crazy.
1: I know we've been talking for so long, but thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so, so excited.
0: Yes, me too. So I really, um, tell me your story about why you got into social work or how did you know that social work is what you wanted to do? Oof,
1: where do I even start? (laughs) So I think going back to my childhood and my upbringing, I was someone who was raised by a single mother. I grew up (laughs) in low income, so you can only imagine the lack of resources that I had while growing up and the resources that I had in the community. I was always around social workers, and for some reason, I knew that I wanted to be in a field that gave Um, families, opportunities to thrive within this broken system. I knew that I wanted to be a resource and advocate for them. That's the reason why it brought me to the world of psychology, which then led to me getting my bachelor's in psychology. And then once I was able to learn of the field of social work, that was a whole new other door, a whole new other world, exactly. And I was amazed of the community that it brought once I was in that
0: field. I love that. And where, where do you live? I think that provides a lot of context, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm in New York. Um,
0: I was um, born and raised
1: in close to Washington Heights. And um, yes, yeah, definitely, you know, Hispanic, mainly Hispanic community um, and Black community as well. And basically, it's a community that even to this day, you have to uplift and empower one another to succeed. It's a community that everyone comes together at the end of the day. And it's important to never really lose sight of where you come from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Um, so you got into social work and you love the community and all these things. What kind of social work have you done? What's your experience like? So I feel like I worked everywhere. I primarily
1: have worked in the field of child welfare for about four years, but I've been, I worked with basically from infant all the way to the elderly population. I have worked, like I mentioned before, child welfare. I have worked within the child-owned shelter system, even a little bit of research and substance abuse population, and even a little bit of palliative care as well. So I've literally done a little bit of everything, and I've learned and embraced the lesson and every opportunity that i hope I have obtained
0: That's awesome
1: very, very rewarding.
0: Yeah, and I feel like even though all of those different areas are so different, there's probably ways that they overlap that you can use the skills from one area to another because you know, children and families and seniors, they're everywhere. And um, that's, a, you know, that's everybody who we work with, but you take, it seems like you'd be able to take the skills that you use, like from child welfare, for example, over to, to even palliative care. Is that right? Would you agree? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, child welfare has definitely
1: taught me a lot in regards to, you know, different personalities and different backgrounds and how to handle, you know, hand on, on um, specific conflict with the families that you encounter. And because you can only imagine in palliative care due to the um of the challenges that are faced with the clients and you know based on their terminal illness, I feel that those specific um interventions that I learned that was able to carry them on to palliative care. Because it taught me to besides being you know empathetic and sympathetic, but it's I'm not a patient, it taught me a lot of, you know, how nurturing to be and how to, at the end of the day, always keep the client's best interest at heart.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And vice versa with you mentioned, addictions too, like, um, all of these things are just so they're different, but yet they have so many different similarities. I think that's really cool. And that's what I really love about social work is that we have so many skills that we can use in so many different ways. And it makes us so, so marketable, um, you know, when we're looking for a job. Absolutely. And it's it really like I always tell people it doesn't
1: matter. People think that social work is only direct practice. And of course, you know, there's macro social work and all those things. But social work is really what you make it. No matter what type of role and type of environment is what you have to bring to the table, which is definitely um, as you and I can definitely agree is what we try to um, empower social workers within the community to really use their skills to the best of their advantage, and to really make sure they thrive in any environment that they're in. Even if they feel that they cannot be their very best, is recognizing their strengths and areas of improvement. I mm-hmm. feel like that is definitely, definitely, like, crucial. Which, of course, given the circumstances, in a very
0: toxic work environment, it can you can easily lose that. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm just wondering, like, how did you... How did you not lose it? And then how did you have the confidence to, to be able to do all of these different roles? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And, and did you have any you know, imposter syndrome with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. So I guess going back to when I first started in the field, um, I definitely dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome. And for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's kind of that sense of feeling like you're a fraud, like you're never going to be good enough. And I felt that when starting in the field, I will always compare myself to other social workers and seeing like, oh, wow, look, they have their license and, you know, they're working their dream job. I'm never going to be like them or I'm never going to, you know, get a supervisor job or I'm going to stay, you know, in child welfare forever. And I always had these thoughts in my mind. And honestly, what made me keep pushing is, you know, honestly, I would say my mom because everything that she made me, you know the person that I am today is because of her. And I feel that because of what she went through and how she raised me, I felt like I needed to keep pushing and moving forward, especially being, you know, first generation Latina to get her master's degree. I felt that I need I owed something to myself and to her. And I felt like no matter the obstacles and the challenges that I faced in the social work, I had to keep pushing. I had to see myself in position I never thought possible. And I, and I had to have an end goal even though it was very hard, even though I had a moment where I was extremely burned out to the point that I've had panic attacks, you know, extremely, extremely just done. <laughs> I, no matter, at that, I always saw, you know, like a, a shining light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, okay, you no know, matter how bad it is right now, this is not where it ends for me. I know I need to keep pushing because it's going to get better. Which actually it did because I then and landed a supervisor role without any experience, all because, you know, I overcame those feelings of imposter syndrome. And unfortunately, imposter syndrome never goes away. <laughs> I still have my moments, but it's just awareness is key, and mm-hmm. of still having that, you know, shining light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. I love that your that your motivation and your overall drive to keep going was your why which was your mom mm-hmm. and sounds like she was just such an instrumental part of your life and who you are and your determination and your grit and your resiliency um that it just it just kept you going and and I think I think that's awesome so you know even though you had your degree you know you had these experiences like, what do you think it was that that made you feel sometimes inferior to other social workers?
1: Well, I would say it's just because, you know, the
0: field of social work, unfortunately, is a
1: field that, you know, it has to do with a position of power where you are as a social worker. You know, whether it's credentials or, you know, certain amount of experience in the fields, you know, you just look around like where everyone stands in their career or you see that someone you graduated, you know, has... Obtain um, X, Y, and Z job or role or credential, and it's always just yourself and kind of like, oh, I don't have that, or I'm never gonna get, I'm never gonna get to where they need to be. So it's just really something that, of course, is human nature. We we can't help it. Um, especially you know, on social media, it's no matter where you go, there was gonna be some some level of wanting, feeling like you need to compete, even though you shouldn't but it just naturally comes out of you, if that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yes. yes. I've just learned, like, it took me a long time to learn this, but over the years, I've learned to reframe that for myself and say, well, you know, so-and-so, they're killing it out there. They're doing awesome. I wish I could do that or I could never do that. But I reframed it to say, what did they do or what did they know or how did they do that? Was there someone that that they knew? Is there someone that I could talk to? Is there somewhere I could go to learn these skills and do exactly what they did? Because if they did it, there's a way that I could do it too. Absolutely. And and really like imposter syndrome kicks
1: in in the sense of that, you know, at the end of the day, it's really a cycle within in the Mm -hmm. sense of that, you know, it first starts with a thought like, okay, I'm never going to be a successful social worker. And then the limiting belief kicks in and saying, like, I don't have enough experience to be a successful social social worker. And then that self-sabotaging behavior kicks in. I was like, oh, you know what? I, I can't seek that promotion job. I, I don't have experience. Or I can't get my license. I haven't studied. So it, at the end of the day, that's so what I sort of thought. The limiting beliefs kicks in. And then that self-sabotaging, self-sabotaging behavior. Oh, my God. I can't even talk today. Um, kicks in and then you know the cycle will continue and that's the reason why most social workers get stuck regardless if they're a new graduate regardless if they've been in the field for you know a long time when you have when you're dealing with those feelings of imposter syndrome and you currently you're gonna keep procrastinating on important things right on those things that you're like you know what, I'm just going to keep studying until I feel prepared to get my license or I'm going to keep taking certifications until I feel prepared enough to seek that, you know, career advancement in in my specific career, in my role. But honestly, all those specific feelings of I need to obtain more information, it's just that feeling that no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough. Mm
0: -hmm. You You are
1: your biggest inner critic, no
0: matter what. So true. I feel like you just read my diary. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's I, hard. I stayed with hospice for four years and a lot of that, one, I loved it. But two, I, I had this story that I kept telling myself like, oh, I've only, you know, a quote only, I've only been doing one job, like I only have this experience, but once I get my license, then then that will be the time I can shine. And I got my license and I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel like I was shining. (laughs) And, and then I, I just hit rock bottom. I like got burnt out. And, um, and I just, I knew, I was like, well, I got to change. I have my license. This qualifies me, you know, quote qualifies me to, to do that. But I ended up getting a job that I didn't even need my license for. Mm-hmm. which It was a better job and it was in a slightly different field, but I just, I don't know. There is some weird, like now I qualify myself to do this when I could have done it a year earlier and been making that much more money for the entire, you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. It's that feeling of like, you know, you need to validate yourself within in order to achieve X, Y, and Z. You know how many times in the past, I I don't have my license at this time, even though I am going to get it one day, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is, but you know how many opportunities I have obtained and the credential, the specific job description said you needed, you know, certain credential and certain experience. And they still called me at the end of the day is really how you market yourself and how you, you know, show the type of value and income impact oh my god the income the type of impact that you have to bring to the organization and that's something that unfortunately was not taught in social work school and now that's why I'm very passionate about you know why I do what I do because it's, it's something that you know like I mentioned imposter syndrome never goes away and I even tell you know my clients or my peers now is the way to really help you overcome those feelings of imposter syndrome when you feel it is to of course you know find out exactly you know the limiting beliefs that's coming up for you if, if it's said that you're that you feel that you're never gonna you know be a successful social worker it's really challenge that I mean I know everyone hates journaling but it really comes a long way because when you see it on paper you're gonna be able to change your thoughts right there you're gonna be able to say out loud, okay why let me list the reasons why I think that I will never be successful and you'll be surprised
0: at what comes about you know? Yeah. That's so powerful. So yeah, what, what, can you talk a little bit of, you mentioned your clients, you know, what kind of clients do you have and what do you do? How do you help people?
1: Absolutely.
0: I should have mentioned that. Um, So besides being a social work supervisor at this time,
1: um, my true passion, which is being a career coach, for early-stage social workers to help them overcome imposter syndrome, teach them all the tools they need to market and position themselves effectively to be able to negotiate salaries, secure their next opportunity with pure confidence. And I feel that that is something that's definitely needed in this field because, you know, us social workers, we got to help each other out. I mean, we definitely give our heart and soul to our clients, but who's going to do the same for us? And I feel like, you know, just like you and I, we have to be – each other's advocates for our community of social workers we have to empower and uplift them because you know somebody they need a leader too
0: Hmm. yes <laughs> I love that and yeah I, I love that about it because I know I can relate in my early stage of being a social worker I even even like I always felt Like I didn't really belong or I questioned, was I doing it right? And even in my job or with every client that I met and I still get imposter syndrome, even though I'm licensed, even though I've been doing social work for 10 years, you know, I'm, I'm always asking myself, do I belong here? And who am I to, to say this, to help these people, but then I have to recircle back around and remember where I come from and remember that I have the skills and we all as social workers have the skills to figure it out you know we don't know the answers times are always changing but we have problem-solving skills we're going to figure it out
1: absolutely and like it comes from that feeling of self-worth I always you know I always, I'm someone that for a long time, I did struggle, you know, with self-love and just, I really doubted all of my ability, you know, kind of like more of the imposter syndrome, but also like just self-esteem. And I felt like all of that, I had to overcome to really be the person that I am right now and the person that, you know, I aim to be. And it really comes down to how you view yourself and how you want others to view you. Because the moment you, you lose that sight of like who you are as a person, then everything, you know sound the drain
0: Mm-hmm. it's true sometimes I have to remind myself I am a badass mm-hmm. <laughs> you are a badass it, and it is important to 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 recognize
1: that to say that if you're having a good day you know say it out loud if you're having a bad day acknowledge that don't don't try to fake it either if you're having a bad day then you'll be like okay Why am I feeling like this right now? Why am I thinking this? It's really, I I like to do a certain activity with my clients. And something I do for myself every day is, you know, I write down my thoughts. And then I write down why I have those thoughts. And if I continue to have those thoughts, what type of feelings and actions will I have for that day? So if I see that they're not, you know, positive, then I reframe that and I change that into a positive, you know, action. So, for example, it could be that, you know, I woke up saying, um, oh, I'm not going to have a good day. Then I'm going to say, why do I think that I'm not going to have a good day? Is it because I have a crazy schedule? Is it because, you know, work is stressful? Just anything specific, I write it down because once you write it on paper, it becomes so real. And then you kind of get it out of your head, you know? And the best part, which is, I don't know if you heard this, it's going to sound funny, but something I do to myself and I tell my clients too is to name your imposter syndrome because it's really not you and, and it's going to give you that power to separate, you know, what you're feeling within. So, so my imposter syndrome name is Jenny. So every time, every time that, you know, it starts acting up, I'm like, Jenny, like, stop. Like, wh- why are you doing this? Like, this is like, why are you coming out right
0: now? <laughs> I like that because then it separates said like, Jenny is not you. Mm-hmm. She's a hater trying to bring you
1: back. <laughs> Yeah, and you see how powerful that is? Trust me. At first, I, someone told me to do that. And I started doing it. And I'm like, you know what? This is so powerful. Like, the world needs to know this, like, specific technique. And it works, and it helps me because I know that when I start coming from this, like, place of, like, you know, not feeling secure and just doubting myself, I point Jenny out. And I'm like, like, what's like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you acting like this? So it's, it's kind of like just giving me power and the authority within to know that Carlini, this is not you. You are, you know, meant for so much more, and and you hold all the power, and that you're in control. Yes,
0: yes, I love that. <laughs> love that. Do you have anything else? Any other tips or stories or tools that you like to share? I mean, in regards to a recap, because I know I said a lot, I would really say is to,
1: you know, if, you've, if you currently find yourself not being, you know, the person that you're meant to be in the sense of like, if you know for a long time, you wanted to seek that manager role, but every time you always held back, you need to ask yourself, why are you holding yourself back? You need to recognize and, and, and bring that awareness that you are able to accomplish anything you set your mind to. And to know that if, you know, kind of change those beliefs, those negative limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, really reframe that into a positive light and really set a timeline and deadlines, you know, for yourself. So if you're like, okay, by next year, I want to accomplish, you know, that super obtain that supervisor role, then write the next steps that you need to do to achieve that goal, hold yourself accountable and really just say your biggest fears out loud to yourself. It can be in front of the mirror but when you say your biggest fears, again, it becomes real. And when you hear yourself, whether you could record it on your phone for you, you're going to be surprised how that's going to make you feel. You're going to be like, well, I think that about myself. Like, that's crazy. Why would I think about that? Why would I think that about myself? That's just absurd. You know, uh, it's, it's powerful.
0: Yeah. And we, we wouldn't say that to our best friend or to someone else in the same situation, um yeah that is really powerful. So you I have been vigorously taking notes over here. To, <laughs> <laughs> so some things you know about some things that social workers can do right now to help overcome the you know their own imposter syndrome or at least manage it because yes manage it because it, it, it never goes away. Exactly. No matter how much like I guarantee you know everybody has has imposter syndrome, like professional athletes, Michael Phelps, you know, um, Brene Brown. (laughs) The list goes on a hundred percent.
1: The biggest people that you're like, wow, for real.
0: Everybody goes through it. I think Brene Brown even spoke about her imposter syndrome. If I recall correctly, how she spoke about how she was about to speak to a bunch of professionals and she had she did not feel like she was qualified to be talking to these professionals about um about her vulnerability. And um yeah, I just it, I just remember hearing her her talk on that. Did
1: you ever hear that?
0: No, I haven't, but now that you're talking about to go
1: on my phone and look it up because now I want to hear it.
0: Yeah. I wish I remembered what like what it was or where where she was, but yeah, something she was gonna even talk on vulnerability and she was like, How am I going to talk about the to all these men in suits about vulnerability? But then of course it was successful because she's awesome. Mm-hmm,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> and oh, and the courage, you know, she talks a lot about courage. Uh but yeah, if you find it, let me know and send it to me and I'll I'll include it. Yay, in no, I'll definitely find I'm gonna search it after we're done. Um Okay, so sorry. So, so things that people can do. So um, one is name the imposter syndrome. About mm-hmm. that. Change your, change your negative self-beliefs. Yes, and reframe them into, posi- into the positive light. Yes, reframe them in a positive. Set goals and timelines for your goals. Um, and I think it'd be safe to say set a plan. yes plan say your biggest fears out loud yes to yourself or record
1: it anyway write it down record it but say your biggest fears out loud
0: and the, yes and write them down and yeah that's a that's a lot of power. I hope I didn't miss anything no you got
1: them all right and trust me they, they may seem like oh but it's gonna be hard it's gonna be challenging because you're gonna realize things about yourself that you may not realize you're you're basically calling yourself out but -hmm. in a good way in a good way because at the end of the day all you can do is just learn and grow from here and not hold yourself back
0: Mm -hmm. I like that so if people if someone's listening right now and they feel like this this is something that they really really struggle with and they want to they're really dedicated to make a change. Are you able to help them with that? Are you accepting new clients right now? Actually,
1: I am. And I work with, you know, social workers, just in case we have some, you know, people who are not social workers. I only work with early stage social workers at this time. Um, I currently do have a few spots open for one-on-one coaching with me. Um, but I know the doors will be closing soon once... Um, the summer continues, but yeah. If you're currently interested, I am on LinkedIn by my name, Harleni Vasquez, and I am on Instagram by my instant name, Your Evolved Mind. Awesome!
0: Um, yay! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Harleni, for for meeting with. Well. Not really meeting with
1: you. <laughs> it's like meeting. We're like I, I basically I feel like I know you for years anyway.
0: <laughs> you know I'm gonna come over to Brooklyn and we're gonna go out and have some drinks once this is all over. <laughs>
1: oh my God, yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> so well, thank you so much. It was
0: amazing having you on social. Thank workers. you
1: so much for having me, and I hope everyone found this helpful. If you ever have guys, if you have any questions, or you want to chat, my DMs are always open. I again, I want the best for everyone. Yes.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. You take care. Bye.